Hey everybody, Bill St. James at the Aerosmith concert. Traffic's jammed out there, so if you're stuck in your car on your way to this concert, don't worry, we've got you covered. <laughs> Welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 744. And since 2004, when I wrote my first Walt Disney World trivia book, I've wanted to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are. Here on the podcast, my weekly live video every Wednesday night on Facebook, blog, events, weekly newsletter, and more. Please join the community in conversation and find everything else at www.radio.com. Destination D23 at Disney's Contemporary Resort was a weekend full of not only looking back on the Disney parks and studios history, but a peek at what's ahead as well. And this week, we're going to debrief the event, recap what was announced, and reflect on what's to come and what might not be. Then stay tuned for our Disney trivia question of the week and an announcement of not one, but two WDW Radio group cruises, which are available to book now, plus some other updates and your voices. And of course, if you like what you hear, please share the show and tell a friend. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. This past weekend, Destination D23 was held at Disney's Contemporary Resort. And as part of this biannual event, D23, the the official community for Disney fans, celebrates some of those beloved moments and memories from the past hundred years of the Walt Disney Company with behind-the-scenes stories, special guests, panels, presentations, and performances not just looking back at the past hundred years, but what is to come and what D23 likes to call the company's boundless future. Clearly, some intentional words were used there. In addition to that, there's also shopping opportunities. And really, it's an event surrounded by community. And it's it's one of my favorite D23 events because it's so very different than the wonderfully overwhelming D23 Expo, which happens on alternating years. So I thought what we would do tonight is on our monthly WW Radio Nation chat, we would look at some of the takeaways from Destination D and react, reflect, and in a sort of um, what could be out of control roundtable, we're going to give it a shot anyway. And what I'll do is I'll sort of talk about some of the things that happened and were, were talked about at Destination D23, specifically as it refers to Walt Disney World. 
And then I welcome you on the call, members of the Nation family, to jump in. And let's just let's just really get right into it because on Saturday, they really wanted to open up the weekend with a bang. And Parks Experiences and Products Chairman Josh Tomorrow presented what was called a celebration of the Disney Parks Experiences and Products yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So I thought we would go park by park and get a little bit of your thoughts about what was announced. And I want to preface this by saying that I'm always fascinated first as a fan, because that's what I am first, and then as someone who likes to sort of sit back and watch and sort of take the temperature of the room as these things happen, because I think we as Disney fans come into these events with expectations that we set on our own, sometimes possibly unrealistic, sometimes very wishful and hopeful thinking. And I think in the spirit of this event specifically, they're often rooted in this wonderful passion, but more importantly, the sense of nostalgia and sentiment that we have for Walt Disney World. And I thought we would start in Epcot, where a lot of the announcements surrounded, and in no particular order. And I'm just going to sort of go through these quickly, and then I would love to hear from anybody who has thoughts about the Epcot announcements specifically. So I want to sort of lead with the, the big purple dragon in the room, because I... If, if you had asked me to put money on it, I was very much expecting, hoping and wishing for and, and predicted on the live show last week that we would get an announcement about the Imagination Pavilion, specifically Figment and Dreamfinder. Sort of. We got the fact that Figment is going to start meeting guests this week on September 10th to lines that were only almost as long as the figment popcorn bucket itself. Uh, the popcorn bucket guarded six-hour lines. Figment himself had about three or four-hour lines. But again, in this spirit of nostalgia, something that nobody was talking about, I don't think anybody expected, was the announcement that Test Track is undergoing a reimagining inspired by the original world of motion. And I thought this was fascinating on a number of levels. Relatively speaking, Test Track is not that very old. It opened in 1999. It had a reimagining a number of years later. And before, you know, I, I wanted to sort of mention this specifically right after Imagination, and then, and then I'd love to sort of take your thoughts specifically about these two. You know, before you start getting upset, and I think a lot of people were disappointed that we didn't hear something more about a an imagine, uh, a reimagining and an update of the Imagination Pavilion, we have to keep in mind, too, and I thought about this as I stepped back and took a little bit of a, of a broader look, that this pavilion, the, the Test Track Pavilion, has had a longstanding corporate sponsor, which is its GM Chevrolet, behind the pavilion with, you know, let's admit it, it has deep pockets, and I think it's important that they keep their messaging and this attraction updated, especially to reflect what not just the the messaging of, of technology in the automotive industry, but specifically what Chevrolet and General Motors are doing. A couple other mentions of, of what was announced in Epcot was the Journey of Water, inspired by Moana, is going to open on October 16th. Previews are going on now. We also found out that Moana is going to make her first appearance in it's not future world anymore, in world nature near the journey of water on the same day. 
World Celebration is going to start welcoming guests in this new neighborhood in December, which is what they say, sort of completing the park's transformation. Soarin' Over California, the original, is going to return temporarily from September 22nd as part of the Disney 100 celebration. And we now know that the name of the new nighttime spectacular is going to be Luminous, the Symphony of Us. And that's going to debut on December 5th. I see a few of you in the chat already mentioning that you are looking forward to the smell of orange groves returning. But I'd love to hear your thoughts specifically about what we heard in Epcot. Andrew, I know you have raised your hand and I'm trying to figure out where you are so I can unmute you. There you go. Andrew Mylan. Yep. So working with GM, we kind of had an email come out early in the week telling us to watch for it some changes at Epcot and the biggest thing that we see GM pushing is electric cars, especially with, I want to say it's 2035. We're going to produce nothing, but you know, majority electric cars Just seeing how they're going to impact that in a test track. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And then with imagination pavilion at the end of it, when he's like, so I want to talk about my purple friend for a minute. And everybody's like, yes, here we go. It's like, we're going to have, you know, you can meet or meet and greet. I was like, Oh, Okay. But uh, yeah, it's the whole test track thing. I'm looking forward to just from a GM employee perspective, just how deep they're going to push this electric car. And and Andrew, it makes perfect sense, right? I mean, I think is now is the time. Now is the best time. Maybe even almost a little bit overdue to really focus on not just where we are currently, but in the very near and distant future in terms of this movement and progression towards electric vehicles. If you look at the concept art from the updated test track, you can see that the ride vehicle looks more modern. It looks more Mm -hmm. sleeker. It almost has a little sort of Tesla-ish feel to it. But the, the background is actually what I find very fascinating. It's lush. It's green. It's very sort of natural and environmental. There's that sort of bright sunlight behind you. So I think it, it is not sort of trying to hide the fact that the environmental impact of sort of moving away from gasoline-powered vehicles is very much going to tie in to the attraction. And it makes sense because it's always been sort of the mission and the message of not just that pavilion and from Epcot and, and Animal Kingdom, but I think um, the Disney parks as a whole. Yep. And I think, you know, you look at the speedway you know the, the electric cars you know gm might start pushing to do something a little bit more because they're you know just being a car guy and going to when we go down there i always look to see all the vehicles that you know disney has at a chevrolet and gm products and i've always wondered you know will the next step be will the speedway turn into electric cars or theme to that with you know the bolt and the volt and everything else we have yeah there was i mean there were rumors for years especially right Right about pre-COVID, there was a very, very strong rumor that the Tomorrowland Speedway was going to get updated. There were talks about Honda coming in as a potential sponsor and transforming everything to electric vehicles. There were also photos of vehicles that had come over from Tokyo that were supposedly parked backstage. You know, obviously the timeline for a lot of things got very disrupted. It would not surprise me to see that type of a change almost happen in conjunction as well i like i would almost have to imagine that that plane is in flight as well in terms of 
as much as I love the sort of smell, right? The sort of <laughs> the, the speedway from a nostalgia, right? We have the sort of, you know, our olfactory senses are the ones close, most closely tied to memories and sort of there's something about the sound and the smell of the speedway that reminds us of our childhood, but, but times and vehicles are obviously changing, changing as well. Dan Spadoro. No, I was just going to say that I just want to see Epcot open more than it currently is. So I was there this weekend at the destination D23. It was an awesome opportunity. And we did get a preview and I know cast members have two of the journey of water. And I thought it was very cool. It's not a game changer to me. And so far, I know like someone mentioned in the chat too, you know, not wanting to stand online for four or five hours to meet figment. I also in the same vein, wouldn't stay for a few hours, you know, to, to do journey of water. But I think when things are open and the crowds lessen and they're more spread out across all of Epcot, It'll feel great. It'll feel natural. It'll feel more appropriate. But right next to the journey of water, between imagination and there, is that what's it called? The, the festival. It's that looks like a stage setup. I forget what that area celebration. It's, it's in the center area. Once that opens, I feel like I almost want to see more open that's currently in the works before we even get you know blue sky dreaming about what could come to the imagination pavilion. Because the promise of Epcot that was in the Odyssey Preview Center a few years back. Obviously, it didn't come to fruition the way they had dreamed for various reasons. Mary Poppins is, you know, kaput. The Play Pavilion, same as far as I'm aware. Guardians is fantastic, no doubt about that. But until we have, I feel like, more general cohesion and until that neighborhood reality at least gets its first steps, it's almost tough for me to imagine what could be next until the dust settles on what is still in the works. They said it was going to be ready by December. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, So I'd be super impressed. What part are you talking about? Right next to Journey of Water, that that building that used to be where, you know, Club Cool or where Starbucks and, you know, that open area used to be where Mickey's Meet Greet was. Yeah, they say World Celebration Neighborhood will welcome yes, guests in December. And it says completing sort of the park's transformation. So I yes. think it's it's a multi-phase. I think there's very much Epcot is, is not just in a state of becoming, but becoming what's next. And I think sure. it is redefining itself, not just in terms of nomenclature getting away from future world to world celebration and now these different neighborhoods. But as these different elements open, and I think you're right about Journey of Water, it is not a e-ticket attraction. We need to book a vacation specifically to see it. But what I think it does is it changes the dynamic of that area, right? It's very, very much an attractor, especially for kids, as well as it is adult. It adds a kinetic element um, it adds, you know, love it, love it or not love it. It adds an IP element, which is very much an attractor mm-hmm. for families and and young kids. We saw that with Frozen versus Maelstrom. Again, sort of having to, you know, bury a little bit our our sentimental feelings for an attraction that not many people rode, which was Maelstrom in in lieu of yeah. something that is very much a guest satisfier. As these walls come down, and as Dreamers Point and some of these other areas. Mm-hmm do start to open and we get a better sense of what the reality versus concept art starts to look and feel like. And I think see where the guest flow is, right? How do guests react and interact with these new environments is going to be fascinating. And just one last point on that. I think journey of water to me strikes me as a larger, the largest Epcot version of what that play playground area is as you head towards test track our kids you know almost grew up on that thing it was only there for a handful of years but we have good memories 
or in Germany, the, the model trains. Yeah. They're both attractors that get a population of folks there. Journey of Water is more interactive. I really hope I'm an optimist that things stay working properly because there's a lot of moving parts in there. But it is it does make Epcot more of that experiential park where there's a lot of little things to do all around the park that are not just designed to capture time and attention, but just build that experience, that vibe, that feeling of what it is to walk through Epcot. It's very special. And I just can't wait to see it be more complete. I agree. And I think that it is something that is not an attraction that you have to line up for, get a lightning lane for, do a virtual queue for. It's just something to experience. And especially in the hot summer days, it is. And it, I, again, I, I was able to go through uh, an Imagineering preview and really sort of watch how guests were interacting with the space. What was the guest flow looking like? And it wasn't just kids who were enjoying it but adults. And to that point, someone who I know is going to love that specifically because of all of the young, wet, screaming children there is Becky Mankin from Mouse Fan Travel. <laughs> you had to tie that in there, didn't you? It's a nice, I just, it's a, it's called a segue. I wanted to just, yeah, bridge. is that, yeah. okay, that works for me, but you're wrong. Anyway, <laughs> there's, this is really exciting because finally seeing all of the, the world of walls come down and, and knowing what's coming, it's going to, really encourage people to return for a return visit to see what all the new things are. And there's a couple of things for one. I'm really excited about spelling the orange groves again. That's very cool that they're going to bring uh, Soren over California back the test track in particular. I didn't see that one coming and I guess I should have the sponsorship. I know people, some people hate the sponsorships personally because it was kind of how Walt started with Disneyland to begin with. I like it. I like the fact that there's a sponsor with some deep pockets that can bring their technology and and storytelling in to the product. And I haven't ridden Test Track in a while because uh, honestly, it just kind of became, I've done it so much. It kind of needs the refresh. So I'm happy there. I would like to ask a question though, because Figment, the cute little purple dragon that we all love so much. Obviously, like you said, we wanted to hear more. Who knows what will come down the pike later on. But I only saw pictures of him. I haven't had a chance to see him in person. And is, is his head that little? <laughs> I just want to know. So if you remember years ago, there was a figment meet and greet, a sort of life-size figment meet and greet um, in that sort of upper part of the pavilion area by the jumping fountains. If you look at the images of that figment and this figment side by side, they are different. Um, what I've come to understand is that this figment is meant to be representative of the audio animatronic figure. So his proportions, while they might look quote unquote off, versus what we saw before or what you might see from a walk around character that the design and the intent is to sort of mirror and mimic the audio animatronic version which is a little bit sort of a little bit more pointy i like you know a little more shoulders, yeah, he's a little bit more somebody said in the chat that he's a little spelt he's been working out so <laughs> yeah so it's it, so if some of the proportions look off it is meant to be sort of a larger almost exaggerated version of the audio animatronic figure Okay, that helps me embrace it a little bit better. But all I could think about when I first looked at it was our balloon at Expo. <laughs> <laughs> I received a number of texts and emails and direct messages with the image of the of the balloon. 
<laughs> that was fantastic. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear the things that are coming and can't wait to experience them when they actually come to fruition. The last thing I want to mention about Epcot before I move over to the next park is that we saw for the first time Asha from the Disney animated film that's coming, which is called Wish, which we got a little preview of, which is gorgeous from a, a visual perspective. She is going to be featured at Epcot and Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. So we'll be curious to see when that comes. We don't have a, a date for that as yet. I want to move on because the day after Saturday and especially on Sunday, I think the area that people were talking about most in the hallways, outside, in the queue was over at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Because if you remember back at Expo, we got some sort of blue sky, right? Very early imaginary concepts of some changes that might be coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Here, we learn that Walt Disney Imagineering plans to transform Dinoland USA into a, quote, tropical Americas-inspired land. Along with that, we did see some concept art, which looks beautiful. It's very lush. It's very green. It has an entrance plaza and a carousel, a new fountain. You see changes to Restaurant Osaurus. But what we see coming on sort of the two sides are experiences that are inspired by Encanto and Indiana Jones in this reimagined land. Now, this is where it got very interesting because the language that was used on stage, the language that was used in the releases, the language that, that I saw being used in hallway conversations by some people on the imagining team clearly lawyers were involved, right? You know, it may feature experiences inspired by Encanto. And the most fascinating part that I saw was on Sunday morning, not once, not twice, but at least three times I walked into conversations either among media folks or guests in line debating borderline arguing. Is this confirmed? Is it not confirmed? Is it still blue sky? Is this a fait accompli? Is this plane in flight? Or is Disney sort of trying to take the temperature and gauge guest reactions? My understanding is that this transformation into the tropical Americas and Encanto and Indiana Jones are happening, right? I don't want to use the word confirmed because I haven't seen the word confirmed used, but from the folks that I spoke to, that seems to be what is coming. And you can find some of the concept art online, especially the Encanto area. I mean, it looks like, you know, and again, it's a very sort of distant dimensional view, but it really sort of looks like it came out of the film. And and as an Indiana Jones fan, maybe not so much the last couple of movies, but as an Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark fan, it's appropriate for the, the tropical Americas and, and South America because Indiana Jones being the adventure that he, maybe in the future she, is, is sort of appropriate anywhere. And, and some of his adventures have taken place in the tropical Americas. A couple of things just quickly in Disney's Animal Kingdom. We saw that a new Zootopia show is in development for the Tree of Life at Disney's Animal Kingdom. To be clear, this is inside the theater. This is not a projection show. I think there was some confusion initially that this was going to be a projection show. 
for all of you tough to be a bug fans that are about to start writing your petitions like you did for Maelstrom, this too has been announced. This is something that is definitely going to happen. And again, there were some fascinating conversations that I was listening to and participating in among guests in terms of Zootopia coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom. You know, if you want to make Disney fans lose their mind, tell them that something is changing. And while some people had hoped for a Zootopia land coming to Disney's Animal Kingdom, possibly to replace Dino Land USA, other folks said, you know, why are we getting sort of just this little taste of Zootopia in terms of a show in a theater as opposed to what we're getting overseas, which is a fully realized dimensional and from what I understand from some of the folks that have worked on it, a spectacular like jump off the screen experience in in the land of Zootopia overseas. So those are sort of the big announcements for Disney's Animal Kingdom, Zootopia and Indiana Jones and Encanto. I'd love to sort of hear any thoughts. Karen St. Pierre, you have your hand raised. I'm not really sure how I feel about this because I really love Harrison Ford. He, he He's my favorite. But what does Indiana Jones have to do with Animal Kingdom? Well, I think, Karen, it's this idea of you have this land that is going to be reimagined to, again, reflect the tropical Americas and not just these sort of two specific IPs. But if you look at the concept art, there's that entrance plaza, the fountain. It looks like there's shopping areas and pathways. It, it looks like there's something that appears to be a carousel as well. I think that these are going to be sort of anchor attractions in a land that is meant to reflect the overall place and space of the tropical Americas. Chris Alger? I just had a quick question, actually, when it comes to the Indiana Jones overlay of Dinosaur. Was there any indication that they were going to bring anything new to Animal Kingdom? Because I know that the track of Dinosaur is the same as Indiana Jones. Or were they just going to take what they already have existing and just bring it to to the Walt Disney World? So we had the same question, and we could not get a definitive answer other than, you know, sort of evasive. Oh, you know, there's, there's amazing things that are coming. Just wait until you see. It's not necessarily what you expect. I don't know what that means. You know, it's it's very easy to sort of replicate the attraction that is out in Disneyland which I love. It's spectacular. And while the track and the vehicles might be the same, it is a vastly different experience than Dinosaur is. That being said, there's a part of me that would like it to be something new, right? Create a new adventure that's not even based off something in the films, but based off the fact that Indiana Jones is an adventure and you create this new storyline that exists in the, the tropical Americas, in the South, in South America somewhere because I like having reasons to go and visit and experience attractions in different parks. You know, I don't, I never want sort of any of the parks or any of the lands necessarily be, be carbon copy or mirrors of one another. So I have a reason to go get my cozy cone and experience some of the other attractions in other parks. Um, All right, let's, let's move on quickly because we have a, a lot to get through. Let's move over to magic kingdom where this over the past year or so, what is what was sort of 
alluded to at D23 Expo, this blue sky concept of this area, really an island behind Big Thunder Mountain. Is it going to be Encanto themed? It is going to be villains themed? It is going to be Coke? Like what? Are, what is this sort of, it's going to be, what Josh said is that Magic Kingdom is in the process of undergoing its largest ever expansion with new attractions, restaurants, dot, 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 and more. And from what I understand, what we got this past weekend is really just sort of the tip of a much, much larger iceberg. So let's sort of talk about just what we heard. And again, these first two really came out of left field. I had never heard any discussion about either of these. The first is that a Pirates of the Caribbean-themed lounge, calm down, Becky Mankin, is coming to Adventureland in Magic Kingdom. They say this first-of-its-kind experience is going to extend the story of Pirates of the Caribbean. Imagineers are in the design process now, so this is happening. More details coming soon, although they did reveal one small detail, which is raise your hand if you remember the Barker Bird the original Barker Bird that stood outside over the entrance to Pirates of the Caribbean in the 70s and early 80s. He was known as Peg Legged Pete for a little while. He made his way over after they took him away, which I was sad about. They put him over for a short period of time in the World of Disney store in downtown Disney slash Disney Springs. He is making a welcome return. The question is, well, I think there's a few questions. One, the question I got, on, on Saturday was, where is this going to go? I think the initial assumption was that this is going to replace Tortuga Tavern. And while that was my sort of initial default, I wonder, does this go into the location where the Pirates League once was? You remember the Pirates League? It was sort of the pirate version of the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique. If you come out of the exit of Pirates into the gift shop, as every good Walt Disney World attraction should, that sort of closed off room to the right, which was when Pirates opened in the 70s, was part of the original gift shop. It eventually became the Pirates League, where you can get your pirate makeover. Um, that area has been shuttered for a long period of time. I wonder, dare I say, dare, dare, that I actually think it's going to go in there. They talk about this being an extension of the story, maybe even an extension of the attraction of Pirates of the Caribbean. I wonder if that's where it goes. It did start to beg the question, if you are going to call this a Pirates of the Caribbean-themed lounge, are we starting to take the next step in potential evolution, maturation, change of Magic Kingdom that we saw a few years ago with the introduction of beer and wine at places like Be Our Guest, obviously Club 33, will this lounge be sort of that first foray into or sort of the next location, like Skipper Canteen, in terms of serving alcohol? I think when you say a lounge, that's sort of what I would expect it to be. What are your, before we, well, I'll, I'll, I'll move on and then we'll sort of touch on, on everything. The other announcement that we got, again, did not see this coming, is that Walt, the Country Bear Jamboree in Walt Disney World, they didn't specify Disneyland, is going to be getting new songs and a new act in 2024. It is going to be called the Country Bear Musical Jamboree. It's going to debut in 2024. 
And the Bear Band is going to perform Disney songs in different genres of country music. And the Imagineers are working with musicians in Nashville to achieve that authentic country sound. It's going to maintain the fun and friendly tone of the original. Trixie's going to be there. Big Al is going to be there. Liver Lips is no longer Liver Lips, I noticed. If you look at the concept art, his name has been changed. It's like it's like Roger. Like, it's no longer Liver Lips. I guess because people with Liver Lips got very upset. So, again, this is one of those classic attractions, which some people love and want to preserve. Others say, Walt said it's never, it's not a museum. It is meant to be updated. Give me your thoughts on the Country Bear Jamboree getting new songs, getting um, either updates to songs. I'm, I'm assuming there's going to be new songs being written. We did hear sort of a uh, a rearranging of one of the songs in the, the little video preview that we got at Destination D. But give me your thoughts on the Pirates of the Caribbean Lounge and Country Bear Jamboree coming to Magic Kingdom. The other, the last little other bit of news was we we already knew that the haunted the Hatbox Ghost was coming to the haunted mansion. We've heard sort of confirmation about where he's going in the mansion, which again makes some Disney purists and fans question. But we got clarification because when we heard that the Hatbox Ghost was going to be placed in the endless hallway portion of Magic Kingdom, nerds like myself were like, "Well, wait a minute, he can't be there because Madame Leota." When she, you don't see any ghosts in Haunted Mansion until Madame Leota in the next scene in the seance room delivers her incantation, which summons the spirits inside the mansion. They actually address this, thankfully so, in the panel on Saturday, saying that the Hatbox ghost has always been there and he just has the ability to come and go whenever and wherever he pleases. So they were able to sort of Imagineer their way around potential inconsistencies in the story. So we have three classic, beloved, they're not all original, but sort of old school Walt Disney World attractions that are getting, you know, some people don't like their, they don't like their things getting played with, right? They don't like their toys being touched, whether it's meant to, to be updated or not. Give me any thoughts that you might have. Caleb Joshua Hill. Hi. So with Country Bear Jamboree, I remember seeing, like, again, the social media going crazy. There was one person that was, like, losing it. He's like, oh, don't touch my bears. Blah. Oh, Romeo, are you kidding me? Like, but Liver Lips was actually like that. He was like Elvis in the Country Bears Vacation Hoedown, which is the one of the, the seasonal things that they did during that time. And I think it's cool that they're doing this kind of, like, music or, like, Disney music. And the Hatbox Ghost, I'm really excited for that as well. I know I didn't experience that either. But, man, these are really cool things that are coming to Magic Kingdom. I think so, too, Caleb. I think, and and none of these, if you notice, none of these, you know, the the, the lounge and the Hatbox Ghost, they're not sort of, in any sort of significant way, altering the attraction. I think... I think the Country Bears is another one of those attractions that we as longtime fans and nostalgics have, again, very deep-rooted sentimental feelings. We all tell the story going with our moms or dads or uncles or kids and and having those moments and memories and what Big Al and Trixie, they sort of mean something to us 
but you also have to think about a newer generation that might be looking for music and figures and, and, and attractions that might need a little bit of love attention or updating for a, a new generation. We're starting to see that more and more, even in terms of, you know, seeing some attractions that are becoming updated to become more interactive. And I think what we're going to see over time be more personalized as well. I see some people dance Spador in the chat is screaming the Canon, the Canon, right? You cannot see a N N O N it's the Canon and it's the storyline that we as fans, you know, know and, and love so much L'Oreal, Laurie Oliveri says, I will miss blood on the saddle. There seems to be a lot of questions. Is blood on the saddle? I mean, look, if you go and look and listen to some of the lyrics in the country bear jamboree, they might need a little, you know, mama don't whoop little Buford. Maybe you should just shoot him instead. It's probably not in this day and age, you know, what, what we and what kids want to hear. I saw a couple of the questions about, uh, Tortuga Tavern may be having more room. Kim, that is true, but I think you also, you absolutely need Tortuga Tavern to remain a an accessible, uh, an open counter service location. Uh, Magic Kingdom, the supply and the demand for food in Magic Kingdom is very, very high. If you don't believe me, go in August and <laughs> see sometimes how long the lines are. So I, that's why I started to think that the Pirates League might make more sense because you're not going to cannibalize a food location, but instead you are adding on another place to act as a lounge. All right. Let me, anybody else, Becky, you have your hand raised. Well, yeah, you got to go back to the lounge for a minute. I was was shocked you weren't going to comment on the lounge. Well, you know, I had to to circle oh, back around to that. After Becky, I, after Becky went I, to her kitchen and got some rum. She's really sort of investing in the conversation. I love this. You need some rum sometimes. Um, it, it's interesting because, yeah, they're, they're kind of slow boiling the toad a little bit um, about introducing alcohol into the Magic Kingdom. And we've, we've seen it happen in some of the other parks, obviously Epcot, um, Animal Kingdom. And it it really has kind of enhanced some areas where people can go in and relax a little bit, have a beverage, whether it be alcohol or non-alcohol. I like the fact that they're thinking about something that's going to be a theme that is going to be very popular from the get-go. But my question is, please distinguish this for me. Was this blue sky or is this real? Because again, I'm having a little dif- difficult time trying to interpret as well. And I'm not exactly sure that I, being the Libra that I am, part of me loves hearing the blue sky about what possibly could come, but then I get really excited about it. And then if it doesn't come, it's kind of disappointing, but yet I still like to hear it. So I'm not sure what side of the fence I fall on. So my understanding is that, and, and we'll talk specifically about Magic Kingdom. These are all, these are in flight. These are absolutely happening. I think the Disney's Animal Kingdom stuff was possibly unintentionally vague and without sort of, you know, naming anybody, there were conversations I had with folks afterwards, not just guests, but those, you know, from Disney. And there there was confusion about the confusion. Like, oh, well, no, I've been working on this project. Like, you know, this this very much is happening. So... And 
again, people were taking out their phones and like like the good little lawyers that they were, like, no, he used the word considered. No, he used the word, he didn't say confirmed. My understanding is that all of the things we've discussed so far are in fact happening, right? This is not blue sky. But that being said, I think it was a brilliant move on their part at D23 Expo to start talking about some of these blue sky concepts because what are you able to do? Because Disney can then sit back and listen and watch and read the room in terms of fandom. What do the hardcore, you know, Disney purist nostalgics feel about this thing? What does the family, the quote unquote family from Idaho that comes once every five years, how do they feel about this? Would this be an attractor? I think talking about the, the, the behind Big Thunder Mountain Island and just sort of throwing out some very vague concepts was intentional and I think very smart because before you start going down that long, very expensive road, you can sort of do a little, you know, you can sort of little do a little focus group of of seeing how people respond to it rather than than announce something and then have to sort of quietly back off. And we'll talk about some things that were announced and for one reason or another did not come to pass. And and so I think I think they were very deliberate in terms of the terminology that was used here, but I think it was possibly vague. And I think we'll start to get additional clarification and and sort of cementing some of these things as actual just, announcements. Just imagine the the awesome rum drinks that they'd be able to to serve there. Just well, and and there's and people in the chat are talking about that. So Dan Spador says I think the alcohol in Magic Kingdom has been unveiled responsibly. The tavern might be a different ball game. It's you know Dan, it's really interesting because when we talk about alcohol and I remember the 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 internet uproar when Magic Kingdom was coming in, Walt wouldn't have wanted it that way. I'm not so sure that that's necessarily the case, but I think I don't know how else to put this. I think Magic Kingdom is sort of treated with a little bit of a different type of reverence and respect. And I don't mean that Epcot or anything else is is disrespected, but nobody's drinking around the world in Magic Kingdom, right? Nobody's getting like Viking hats on or pirate hats on and like, you know, getting T-shirts and fake tattoos with checklists of places that they need to drink from. And by the way, if you see somebody with a with a you know a Viking hat on, and it, it's probably not going to end well for for them in in Epcot. But to each his own. I have not seen that in Magic Kingdom, and I think due in part because you can't sort of just walk around the parks with an icy cold beverage in your hand, much to Becky's chagrin. So I think the way and where and how alcohol is served there is different than it is in places like. Epcot, and I think that's why it's it's treated sort of different different there because it did come in to be our guest with with beer and wine, and I have not seen anybody sort of stumbling around Magic Kingdom other than from the you know oppressive heat in the summer. All right, let me just let me move on because we just have a couple of things that I want to get to, and I'm going to hit the next couple of ones relatively quickly over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. Unless I miss something, the only sort of thing that was referenced there was that Ahsoka Tano is now going to be joining Star Tours, and she's a walk-around character now in Galaxy's Edge, but she is going to be joining the Star Tours attraction 
at Disney's Hollywood Studios and Disneyland Park and Disneyland Paris in the spring. It's what this attraction was built for. It is why they sort of use this uh, screen-based technology so they are able to update it just like they did when the adventures continue. Speaking of characters and characters that we love and adventures that we want to go on, we got a little hint at D23 Expo of what was coming to Avengers Campus at Disney California Adventure Park. We now got more vehicles, sorry, more information about the vehicles and some concept art of what is coming to Avengers Campus. And we see that this there's a new ride vehicle that is going to incorporate elements of Tony Stark's time suits with Zandarian jump points and Wakandan technology, which is a great way to write yourself into being able to talk about anything you want in this attraction that is going to be located in between Web Slingers and Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout. Um, we did not get a name for the attraction. We did not get a timeline for the attraction. What we do know is that the primary villain is going to be King Thanos. So we had seen that in some of the concept art. Now we just have a little bit of uh, more information about what this looks like six or eight person ride vehicle is going to look like. And just staying within the theme parks, but internationally, we did see that Tokyo Disney's Fantasy Springs is going to include Rapunzel's Forest, Peter Pan's Neverland, and Frozen Kingdom, which is opening in 2024. Disneyland Paris is transforming Walt Disney Studios Park with the Frozen-themed land. We got updates on Zootopia at Shanghai Disney, including the new attraction, entertainment, merchandise, and yay, themed food. And we also got a sneak peek of the Frozen-themed land at Hong Kong Disneyland, which is World of Frozen. Becky Mankin, we have to go back, Kate. We have to go back to all of the overseas parks because there are... We have are, to add that to the list because is, the list is still <laughs> getting longer every time we talk. I know. So. There is a there is a, a lot to see, clearly not just domestically, but internationally as well. So thoughts about Ahsoka, uh, California Adventure, and some of the overseas parks. While I'm waiting for you to raise your hand, I will just take a look again into... The chat, uh, Dan Spadora, again, I appreciate your, your conversation and your insight. You, I was surprised the show emphasized Hercules live music, but nothing about that property beyond that. When they brought out the muses and when they brought out um, somebody come and sing some music from Hercules, I'm like, this is it. We're getting like a Hercules-themed show. We're getting a Hercules-themed. We didn't, but who knows? Maybe it's a hint for something that's coming somewhere else. But in any event, the muses were spectacular. Josh Olive says it seems like California Avengers Avengers attraction is going to be a simulator type ride. Do I think that's accurate? It appears to be. It appears to be a a some sort of a motion simulator attraction, but I do believe based on the attraction vehicle and the size of the show building Josh that I don't think it's going to be something like a static Star Tours where you're just in a vehicle and the vehicle sort of moves much like it does. You know, Star Tours is more of a an enclosed 40 or 42 or so person attraction vehicle. I, I get the sense that this is going to be something on either a trackless system or maybe, hopefully, maybe it's a new type of ride system that we have not seen before. So any thoughts very quickly on anything that we've seen overseas, Disneyland or Ahsoka coming to the attractions? Caleb? So this is Tokyo also, or is this just the stuff in 
Hollywood studios and uh, any of the above, anything that we've talked about. So yeah, the to- so all the stuff from Tokyo Disney Seas Fantasy Springs, I'm really excited about, especially the Tangled and the the Peter Pan. I know you love Peter Pan. That is going to be amazing. I'm hoping the attraction has a lot of amazing audio animatronics, kind of like the ones at Beauty and the Beast. But I'm just really excited because the Tangled. I love Tangled. I love Rapunzel. I love just all the characters. So I'm excited for this. These really cool attractions. <sighs> they just do better than us <laughs> in America. I just telling you that it's 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 so it's amazing. This this is going to be a really cool experience, and hopefully, I can see it in the future. Yeah, and a couple of people in the chat, including Dave and Shelley, asked about the Disneyland Hotel opening back up. I believe that you're referring to Paris. It just Disneyland Paris just released today when we're recording. More information and some concept art I posted on the blog over at www.radio.com. A full article about what's to come as well as all of the concept art that was revealed. Uh, And the hotel is set to reopen its doors on January 25th, 2024 in a nothing short of a monumental transformation of this resort into this one-of-a-kind, very immersive journey celebrating Disney's most beloved royal stories and characters in style. You'll see everything from Sleeping Beauty to Rapunzel from Tangled in the 487 uh, extensively designed rooms. So some of the show, some of the other stories include Cinderella, Snow White, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Princess and the Frog, Moana and Raya in The Last Dragon. And if you look at some of the concept art, it is absolutely spectacular. Once again, as if I needed yet another reason to go, we are going to go back to Disneyland Paris. Actually, right after our ABD, Becky says it looks elegant and fun. Lori Oliveri goes right to my heart and to the food. And she says those desserts and Dan's Bedora again. You're right, Dan, that the guest rooms are beautiful. And, And I love the fact that they really sort of took this resort down to the studs as it were and sort of rebuilt it from the beginning. I, I hadn't had a chance to stay there. The first time I went to Disneyland Paris, it was closed obviously for renovations when I was there last time, but I'm looking forward to seeing what, what January has in store. Let's quickly move on to a couple of other things we did hear from Disney cruise Line specifically. And again, we had all the Disney treasure news coming out uh, just about a week or so ago, but here The focus was on the new ship and the new name, which we now know from Disney Cruise Line President Thomas Maslum as the Disney Adventure, which is meant to evoke the spirit of exploration, taking families on a fantastical voyage across a sea of Disney, Pixar and Marvel stories. This ship is going to be in Singapore and they are Disney Cruise Line and the Singapore Tourism Board are collaborating to home port this brand new ship for at least five years beginning in 2025, marking the cruise line debut in South Asia. And he talked about how Singapore was specifically chosen chosen because of its very strategic location, right? There's there's world-class airports and, and port infrastructure. There's a thriving cruise hub there in Southeast Asia. There's, in addition to going out for the cruise, there's, you know, 40 UNESCO World Heritage Sites, the ship is being built in the Meyerwerf shipyard in, in Germany. And again, we know it is going to launch in 2025. We don't have a, a time as to when that is going to happen. We also heard 
about Disney's new island destination that is being developed in cultural collaboration with the Bahamas. And it has been referred to as Lighthouse Point in the past. It is now officially known as Disney's Lookout Key at Lighthouse Point. And I think it's a lot of people say, why are they changing the name? Why are they making the name longer? Uh, This is not a private island. This is, it's why the name is Lookout Key at Lighthouse Point. And it, it is part of a much larger island that Disney has exclusive access to. It is, again, very intentional in terms of its theming and design and, and sort of the tribute to the, the beauty of nature and, and seeing the inspiration. And again, this this reflection of the the cult, the, the Bahamian culture is really important to Disney and certainly to the government as well. Becky says, longest name ever. Can you leave Lookout Point for other? Can you leave Lookout Key for other spots at Lighthouse Point? I do not know. I, I have a feeling, Dan, there's probably going to be so much to do. You're not going to want to or have time to go anywhere else. But I'll be very curious to see. And obviously, there was a, a lot of a lot of questions about, you know, this ship that we just we still don't have answers to. And I think one of the questions that continues to come up is that in in the, the Asian culture and especially in cruising culture, Casinos are uh, a, a featured, almost a requisite part of the cruising experience. And the the question is whether or not there will be gambling in a casino on board this ship, because it is something that may be not just expected, but almost sort of in demand by the the Asian culture. We don't know, right? It's just like, you know, is this going to be sort of the first foray into doing that? Or is Disney going to sort of say, it's just not part of what we do at Disney. And hopefully the, the culture and the guests will be able to adapt to, you know, this idea of not having a a casino on board. Becky, I know you and I have talked about this right. a lot. You said, look, as long as there's a bar, I don't care about gambling, but how do you sort of feel? And maybe, you know, you're really of... setting me up here, aren't you? Of course. Uh, well, the thing that, that you have to understand about why we are speculating that there will be gambling is that it is part of the culture in Asia. So the cruise lines are going to be much more successful if they do have gambling on board because that's one of the pastimes of of Asian culture when they when they vacation. I can't imagine that they wouldn't have gambling on board this ship if they are going to be successful over a five year term. And it was incredibly poignant when they released the the press release when it came out that they had purchased the ship. They were very clear in that press release that said this is not intended for the United States market or for the American market. So they were almost telling us there that there was going to be something different about it. And I believe, and I may be wrong, I'm just going on a limb here. I'm going full manifesto and saying, I think there's going to be gambling on the ship. Yeah, I I agree. I I think so as well. And although it may not be necessarily directed towards an American market, we're obviously going like we need to go and see what the ship and what this experience is going to be like when it does launch. Especially given the design. I mean, this ship is huge. It's, it's it's 208 gross tonnage. So the largest ship afloat will be 250. So it's going to be in that, in that realm of some of the largest ships afloat. 
which is very telling because there's going to be a lot of beds that they're going to have to fill to keep that the ROI up on that particular ship. So forget the beds. Imagine the food. (laughs) I'm I'm salivating and sweating about the potential. Like the food. You're going to want to do back to back to back to back to back. I can just see now until all of a sudden you're going to outgrow all of your clothes and you need to get off the ship just to buy new clothes (laughs) because it won't be able to fit. Is that what we're w- saying? WDW Radio Moomoo's are being introduced in 2024. <laughs> um, just a couple of uh, other things I wanted to mention, um, not from a, uh, a Disney Parks perspective, but it's something that bears mentioning because the most impactful, the most beautiful, and, I, and I'm not, this is not me being hyperbolic in my description, but... I said before this event that there's an opportunity here for Disney to really touch on and tug at our heartstrings and and get us excited and get us emotional again, right? Look, you don't have to raise your hands. We've all gotten choked up, gotten a little weepy, visibly like sobbed at the sight of a castle or a corn dog or a Disney movie. I will tell you, and, and Dan, you, you hit it. Once Upon a Studio, which is this short animated and live action film that has not been confirmed where and how it is going to be released, whether it's going to be released as as in, this, in cinemas along with Wish and or on Disney Plus, there was not a dry eye in the house. There was a five minute standing ovation for the producers when this was over. Men, women, children, everyone was weeping. I mean, like full-blown tears streaming down. Now, mind you, I'm a crier. It doesn't matter. But this touched on the, the simplest elements of our love of Disney animation and fandom across the past hundred years. You will find and you will see and hear something in this that will touch you and the audible gasps and like there were people around me sobbing, like sobbing with joy at what they saw. Um, it is the perfect tribute to a hundred years of the, the company and a hundred years of animation. And it was just, it was absolutely spectacular. And, and anything that I say cannot articulate it, but just wait until you see it, bring tissues a couple of things I, I wanted to quickly mention, just going back to the parks, specifically going back to Josh Tomorrow, who I love, by the way. The man is, and, and I've had occasion, including this past weekend, to see him not just on stage, but in in private, offstage. The man is that you see on stage is as passionate and positive and genuine as the person you see on stage. He is beloved by Disney fans, and I see why. And the man just exudes, he radiates this joy that clearly comes from a place of passion. And I watch the way he talks and interacts in the parks and at these events. He goes over and talks to every cast members and shakes their hands and gives them hugs and looks at every... When you talk to Josh tomorrow, you are the only person in the room. 
whether you meet him in the parks or you see him at an event. And I, I think he's a fantastic speaker. I think he's a fantastic presenter. Um, and he highlighted the, the Disney's focus. And by focus, I mean not just focus attention, but focus financial on increasing projects over the next decade to enhance the Disney experience. He talked in, in some conversations on stage and off stage about the massive attention and investment that is going to happen over the next decade. He says there's, there's going to be more projects underway than at any point in Disney history. And to quote, he says, our sole purpose is to give you more and more of what you love about a Disney experience and then surprise and delight you with the things you never dreamed possible. I take him at his word. And this investment in not just bringing things for the sake of bringing things or focusing on the latest IP, but really wanting to go or maybe go back to this idea of exceeding guest expectations and, and making guests fall back in love or fall in love for the first time with the parks. And, and I, I know some people, you know, it's in an unenviable position when you're a corporation like this, because you can never please everybody, right? If you change something, you upset the people who are the, the sentimental nostalgics. If you don't change something, then it gets stale and look what everybody else is doing. Everybody else is, is updating. You announce something and then for one reason or another, it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden you kind of have egg on your face and you have to backpedal. And I, I would not ever want to, I would never ever want to be in either of those positions. One thing he did talk about in terms of looking forward was D23 2024, the ultimate Disney fan event. The word expo is no longer in the name, but this is an event that Becky, you and I have been to not just as guests, but as exhibitors since the very first one. It is the thing that we look so forward to every other year. We've been waiting like not so very patiently for some sort of acknowledgement of what was coming and they're doing some things differently next year in addition to just taking the word expo out of the name it is now back remember the first year it was four days it is now back to four days and it kicks off at disneyland on august 8th right so the first day of the expo is going to take place at disneyland they did not talk about specifics as to what this is going to be is it going to be sort of a d23 takeover is it going to be an after hours event we have no idea but it is going to kick off at disneyland on august 8th and then the anaheim convention center is once again going to host the sort of the fan expo from the 9th through the 11th of august but evening events are going to be at the honda center now the honda center is not across the street it's not the honda center is a Non when there's no traffic, which doesn't happen in Anaheim, no traffic. It's about a 10 minute drive. It's about three miles away, but it is a full blown arena. So they want to sort of, my guess is obviate some of the issues that have happened in the past, which is not being able to get into hall D 23 for some of the bigger presentations 
waiting online for hours, camping out overnight. How they're going to move guests there, I have not, I don't know what that is going to be or look like as yet. That may be what I'm most curious about, but I do like the fact that they have expanded this event to be during the entire week instead of just the traditional weekend time frame. And according to the folks at D23, it's because of some several planned yet unannounced activities that they've come up with for this grand celebration. One thing that they did talk about was D23 Day at Angel Stadium on August 4th. So four days before the event actually starts, they're going to have a D23 Day at Angel Stadium, which is uh, close by. That's all we know. We know what the dates are. We know that tickets go on sale in the spring, and that is going to be a, the day at Angel Stadium. It is going to be a, a separate ticketed event. Uh, a few of you are uh, talking about getting from point A to point B. We're going to need a stretch, make it a super stretch at the very least, because there's going to be thousands of people that have to get across. Becky, you and I haven't had much of a chance to talk about this other than we know we have to go and we're already starting to sort of think about our plans. But the the thing that excited me most was one, D23 is coming back. And yeah. two, it is expanding again to four days. And, and my sort of read of the room and again, conversation that I had outside of the, the presentations with some folks from D23 and from the expo side is that, they have listened. They have learned from past events. They very much pay attention to guest feedback. And this is going to look and feel not just different, but based on what they've been doing, what they believe is going to be a, a, an improved guest experience at D23. And I am so intrigued by this. I think that's what the, it's exciting because we don't have all the answers it's great to know that's coming back because obviously several of us were wondering if that was going to be the case. So knowing it's coming back, even though again, it is the hashtag longest name ever, I'll still call it Expo. It's going to take a while to change my, my side there, but I I'm very intrigued by this, this other venue and yeah, immediately in my brain, I'm going, how are you going to move all of those people from one venue to another, there's not like a there's an underground train drones. or something. It's they're going to take you there. drones and they're going to pick us up and just <laughs> move us, <laughs> just plop us down <laughs> there. But I love the way that they're thinking outside of the box because we know that that it's a challenge. There's a ton of people. Everybody wants to see the same panels. There's tons of lines. There's tons of waiting. You miss miss out on other exciting things going on because you need to wait in line for three hours to get into the panel you want to see. So I'm hoping that this situation or what, what they're coming up with is a solution to that problem that will allow more people to enjoy those panels and things that we're all excited to see. I'm just really curious about the logistics of it. <laughs> and as a logistics person, that's the thing is like, that's great, but how are we going to do this thing? Dan says, that we're gonna back. Dan says, build a new people mover. Dan, they've got 10 months to build a people mover from the <laughs> convention Skyliner. center to the Honda center to we, Get we need over. a four-way Skyliner that, you know, goes from the convention center there to the parks and then back to our hotel, like right in front of the door. So it's, that, it's a lot of after people. Four, it is after a, four days. It's a lot of imagine, people to move. Imagine how your feet are going to feel after yeah. four days. So, all right, just very quickly, because I know we we 
shocker, we went a little long. There were some things, there were a lot of things that we did not hear about. And I believe, I hope, I wish that maybe these are being saved for the bigger stage, for the bigger venue at D23 Expo, right? We haven't heard about some previously announced projects like the overhaul of Spaceship Earth, the Play Pavilion. The understanding seems to be that, you know, the Mary Poppins attraction probably won't happen. Um, what's happening over in the the China Pavilion and other things that have been sort of alluded to, I do think that they are going to wait for, I keep wanting to call it Desti- a D23 Expo, but that and Josh Olive Journey to Imagination, they're going to hold for the event that is going to bring a significantly larger number of Disney fans to you know, what's sort of like the Disney version of Comic-Con, right? It's, it's, it is the place where the attention is brought. You know, my overall impression of Destination D is, is it, it, it's very different by design. It, it's very intimate. It has a great flow. Everything takes place in one room as opposed to Expo where you're frantically trying to get online, figuring out what to see, what you're going to miss, getting the Expo floor. I mean, doing the, there's a lot, but I really, you know, as I as I want to do when I attend these things, I'm not just sort of watching what's happening in front of me. I like to sort of look around and I loved the room and the energy and the love of nostalgia. You know, I talked about Josh and this mission of going forward and the expansion into the parks. And one thing I think that people didn't talk about that they should really sort of keep their eye on for, for a number of reason is that when Josh was talking about the updated plans for Disney's animal kingdom, the returning chief creative officer, Bruce Vaughn joined Josh on stage to talk about those plans. Josh was previously the chief creative executive at Imagineering when he joined in 1993, worked on a number of different, projects, including the original update to Spaceship Earth. So maybe the timing is appropriate, but he also did a lot with feature animation and TV and theatrical and music and internet consumer products. I mean, he did a lot and he was actually at Airbnb for a while doing some experiential creative product stuff there, but he has been brought back. He was, I think he was CEO or CCO of Dreamscape Immersive where he worked on virtual reality technologies for a number of years and in some location-based entertainment. I think the addition and it was sort of the reintroduction of Bruce Vaughn is, is not an accident. And I don't think the timing is not very strategic, not just in terms of what he's bringing to plans for Disney's animal kingdom and Walt Disney world and the Disney parks, but possibly even a larger role in the company as there are, you know, executive movements that are probably going to happen over the next few years. But Josh is full steam ahead on updates and improvements. And you could almost tell that he wanted to reveal more than he could. But the lawyers and the PR people are like waving him off. Like, Josh, you can't say this. You can't even like go down a different road because you're starting to sort of tread into territory that we're not ready to talk about dan says destination d is very calming by comparison it is it is a it's a it's an intimate sort of love letter i think to not just disney theme park fans but fans of the archives and animation and whether it's 
Becky Klein or Diego Paris or some of the other Imagineers. I loved seeing Steve Agnini and, and Don Hahn on stage once again. They had great musical performances. I mean, there was something really for everyone for this event. So if you haven't been if yet, I highly suggest you come back, hopefully when it returns in 2025 to Walt Disney World. Anybody else, any final thoughts, any final comments, any questions before we call it a night? If not, I will um, obviously post this in the clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse and would love for you to be part of the community and conversation. And all of you, I won't call out all of you by name, but everybody who is here from the WW Radio Nation, or I'll call you out by name. Why not? Andrew and Caleb and Lori and Angelo and Lisa, Dave. My, it's like romper room in here. <laughs> they never said Lou in romper room. I'm still devastated to this day. Kim, Brian, Karen, Josh, good seeing you. Kevin, Kerry, Elizabeth, and Grace. Thank you all very much, not just for being here tonight, but for being part of our nation family. I love and appreciate you and cannot wait to see you at the next event and certainly on our next call. If you weren't all on mute, I they, they can't hear you going wild with applause, but thank you. Yay! Yay! <laughs>
WW Radio 3D keychain and a bonus mystery prize. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Alicia Ehrlers. So, Alicia, congratulations. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. And if you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So this week, we talked about some of the many announcements that we heard at Destination D23. And I think one of the intriguing ones is the Pirate of the Caribbean Lounge that's coming to Adventureland. I love the attraction. Do you? You've probably been on it dozens, if not more times. Let's see how well you pay attention, because what is the name of the pirate ship, the Galleon, that is attacking the fort? It's the same ship that has Captain Barbosa on its deck. What is the name of that ship. You have until Sunday, September 17th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. Use the form there. Once again, you're going to play for one of the brand new WW Radio keychains and a mystery prize. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you again for taking the time to listen this and every week. Just a couple of quick reminders. Please come be part of the community and conversation. Talk more about your thoughts about Destination D and what is coming and what is not coming to Walt Disney World and the Disney Parks over in the clubhouse at www.radio.com slash clubhouse. You can also connect with me on social. I am at Lou Mangiello on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and X. And please be sure to like the WW Radio page at facebook.com slash WW Radio and turn on notifications so you don't miss a thing, including our Wednesday night WW Radio live broadcast and chat. We talk about everything from this week's podcast to what's new and news in the Disney parks, live Q&A, live call-in shows, contests, games, and really just an opportunity for us to come together as a community again every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. And speaking of coming together, as much as I love connecting with you online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. Check out our events page over at www.radio.com slash events or over at facebook.com slash www.radio. I'll be announcing our next WW Radio Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World soon, as well as other on-the-road events. But the big announcement that I want to share with you is that we have not one, but two special events, specifically cruises on Disney Cruise Line coming in 2024 and 2025. I want to first invite you to join us for a five-night Halloween on the high seas. I have never done this before. I've never done Halloween. I've been on the cruises around Christmas time. This is one I have been looking to do for a long time. So October 21st through 26th, 2024, departing out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. It is a five-night cruise that stops in Nassau, and more importantly, Disney's Lookout Key at Lighthouse Point. And we're also looking to take the Brightline train that is opening later on this year from Orlando to Fort Lauderdale for anyone that wants to ride the train down from Orlando because we're probably going to do a special event either pre or post cruise in Walt Disney World. So the Saturday before the cruise or the Saturday after, we want to make this a full land, sea and rail event. Again, October 21st through the 26th, 2024, five night Halloween on the high seas on the Disney Magic, which, by the way, I love, love, love that ship. But wait, there's more. Because when the announcement of the Disney Treasure came, many of you reached out asking if we were going to do a group cruise. Of course we are. And it is going to be February 8th through the 15th, 2025. 
a seven-night Western Caribbean cruise that stops in Cozumel, Mexico, Georgetown, Grand Cayman, Falmouth, Jamaica, and Disney's Castaway Key. This cruise leaves out of Port Canaveral, and oh, by the way, it also happens to coincide with WDW Radio's 20th anniversary. And there's nothing else that I would rather do for such an important milestone for our community than to be on that ship with you. To find out more and get a free, no obligation quote from our exclusive travel partner, Mouse Fan Travel, you can visit www.radio.com slash cruises. I know these are already starting to book very fast, so the sooner you reach out, the better. And if this is the first that you're hearing about it, please make sure you subscribe to the WW Radio newsletter. It's weekly, it's free, and contains not just updates about what's happening on the show and site, but oftentimes I'll also send out early updates as well. And when you subscribe, you also get a free copy of my 102 things to do at Walt Disney World at least once, plus 40 free things to see, do, and of course, eat while you're at Walt Disney World. Please also visit loumangelo.com. In addition to everything I do here on the site and show, I'm also a keynote speaker and host on a mission really to not just share the magic of Disney, but help entrepreneurs and solopreneurs and businesses build their brand and business through one-on-one coaching. I host a weekly mastermind group. A new group is forming in October and events, including my Momentum Weekend Workshop coming up later on this month and my Momentum series of retreats. And again, to learn more, find out how I may be able to help you, your business, your conference, your event, or your school, you can visit loumangelo.com. Thanks again to Mouse Fan Travel, my exclusive for more than 17 years travel provider. Whether you're looking to visit any Disney destination or really anywhere, Becky and her team of advisors will help you not only get the best possible prices, all available discounts, provide you expert advice, but more importantly, treat you like a member of their own family. And of course, all their services come at no cost to you. You can visit them over at mousefantravel.com. And as always, my friend, and you are my friend, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, to please help spread the word. Share a link to this or your favorite episode on social. Tag me at Lou Mangiello. I will reshare it and, of course, follow you. If you're listening on Spotify, rate the show there and answer our question of the week. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review the show as well. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Bana and Team Capshow. Capshow is amazing, by the way. Capshow is an AI-powered tool for repurposing and marketing your content. You can check it out at capshow.com. This is not a paid endorsement. I just dig them and I dig the product. Anyway, Bono and the team says, jumping into this podcast is like stepping into a Disney dreamland. It's a delightful blend of magic and nostalgia, making my commute just a bit brighter every time. I love hearing that and appreciate you, Bono, because it's exactly how I want you to feel when you listen. That's why I talk about the things that simply make us happy about going to the Disney parks and going to the Disney movies and watching on Disney Plus and being part of this incredible community that you are such an important part of. That's why I believe in and live by a philosophy of choosing the good, finding the good in everything and everyone that we encounter. It doesn't just make you a happier person, but I promise you it has a ripple effect of positivity on others. I hope that you enjoyed this week's show. I hope to see you this Wednesday on the live show. And of course, every day in the clubhouse on Facebook. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope that you have the best week ever. See ya. Hey, Lou. It's Ashley Scarpa in Florida. I was calling about where would I like to spend the night at Disney. And I talked about this with my husband and my son who also gave their thoughts too. But what about Trader Sam's? Like how fun would that be? 
of course, we'd have to have a completely interactive staff and we would have to have like interactive bedtime stories and fun interactive drinks. But like a big slumber party sleepover at Trader Sam's, I just think would be awesome. So I wanted to give you that one. My husband, Glenn, you met him, I'm not sure if you remember, but he suggested um, inside Guardians of the Galaxy when it's kind of like the stars and the atmosphere. I was on the ride, but my eyes were closed during that part. Um, so I can't even really recall what that is. But he said it reminds him of camping. Um, in the Everglades when he was younger, and he would like to have a bed, not a camper or like a sleeping bed, but a full bed in there. And um, he said age-appropriate drinks would be nice, too, some nightcaps. So, anyways, love your show. Love all your shows. Thank you for what you do, and I'll catch you on the podcast soon. Bye. Hi, it's Elizabeth from Massachusetts. Hope everyone is having a lovely day. Um, anyway, I just finished listening to episode 491 where we talked about collections. And honestly, I have the like worst personality for wanting to watch more things from Disney. So um, I feel like my most favorite thing is to collect over the map and the popcorn market. So yeah, I hope to hear from you all or hope to see you all soon. Uh, have a magical day. It's really magical. And I'll talk to you all real soon. Bye. Hey, Lou, it's Patrice Roberti from Metro Boston. It is like Florida weather here today. It is like a 1,050 degrees. I'm not calling about the weather. I'm calling because last night I was listening to WDW Radio number 561, 10, top 10 little things we miss in Walt Disney World. And about 30 minutes in, you were saying about how things that, you know, you like to show people kind of special things with some uh, uh, hidden Mickeys that you were talking about and how, how how you like to show people and your enthusiasm. I don't think, I've looked, I don't think you've ever done a show that was 10, top 10 things that you would show people if you were on a tour with them today. And I don't know, I don't mean it's just hidden Mickeys and things, but just, you know, you used to do the tours. I don't think you're doing the tours anymore. Oh, I'd love to do a tour with you so much, your enthusiasm and your knowledge. But maybe you could do a show about that sometime, the top ten things that you would show someone today if you were on a tour with them. Because you know the place and you know what we're seeing, and I think that would make a great show. I know I would love to hear it. So if you ever do it, I will listen with great happiness. Take care. Thank you for everything. Bye. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison from Flowertown, Pennsylvania. Boy, is it hot here today. I'm noticing, but I'm listening to your episode uh, about the treasure. I watched the movie, the, I watched the video they released, and my mind is just blowing up on a bunch of different points. Um, the Jungle Book and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea themed the lounges. I can't even wait. I'm wondering if the squid is going to, like, attack on 20,000 leaves under the sea and the ceiling. That would be so awesome. Something that I heard from a different um, report that you guys didn't talk about, are there's going to be Luca-themed staterooms. If that is true, I want one of those because there is not enough Luca representation. It's one of my favorite movies. I just love it so much. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to whatever Haunted Mansion, anything. They decide they're putting in there. And then you alluded to something on Instagram about there being a Hollywood Tower Hotel bellhop hat in the background on the shelf. And if there is anything Tower of Terror related, anything, I, I am take all my money. 
take my kidneys, my left leg, my right foot. I don't even care. I'll mortgage my house. I'm going on the treasure. Uh, I am so excited that they are um, getting some nods to the parks, and, and you're so right that it is going to then people who weren't potentially interested in going on cruises that are theme parks um, lovers are going to go on. And I am so excited. I can't even tell you about those things. Anyway, great show. I love speculating. It's so much fun. But um, everybody have a wonderful day. Momentum is coming up. So excited for that. I think there's a few spots left. So if you're on the fence, you got to jump in. It's been one of the best things you've ever done in your life. So I will see everybody there who's going and uh, make somebody smile. Have a wonderful day. Bye.